What do we call someone who just seems to not care? Right? Somebody who acts as if their actions have no effect on others. Someone who maybe seems to lack all compassion. Just, you know, does their own thing, even if it kind of runs roughshod over our hearts. Well, we've got a lot of words for somebody like that, right? But one that really sticks is we might call that person heartless. Right? We call someone heartless when it seems like they just don't care. They could help, and yet they don't. And though we may think of people that have maybe fit that term for us, maybe moments in our own life where to our shame we've acted that way, the saddest thing is that sometimes we can think of God as heartless. We might not put it that way, but when we go through some tough stuff and it feels like he hasn't quite been present, or when we've asked for something, something good, and we didn't get it, or in those moments when we felt most alone and misunderstood, yeah, it's easy to let that thought creep into our hearts and into our minds. And we can start seeing God as heartless, uncaring, powerful, and yet not working powerfully in my life. And it's because we can sometimes even unconsciously think of God that way that we desperately need the feast we celebrate today. Because the church universal, right, all around the world, we celebrated this past Friday the sacred heart of Jesus. That was the feast day. But since it's our parish feast day, we get to celebrate it all weekend long, right? Extended party time about the, um, the feast of the sacred heart of Jesus. And why it's important is that we can say many things about God. We can say he doesn't respond to my prayers the way that I would like. We can say he calls me and demands of me kind of this higher level of living that I would like to kind of strive for. But we can't ever say he's heartless. Because in Jesus Christ, he showed us his heart. He showed us that that, that symbol of the divine love now made human of something that, that we can actually have a relationship with. That's, that's the whole beauty of today's feast, is that God has a heart. God cares. Because far too often we think there is not a single heart in all of existence that cares about the problems I carry within my heart. We, we play this game of self-isolation. Where we might say, you know what, I can't really bring this up to my spouse because, you know, last time that I tried, we had this, like, disagreement and I, I just don't think that she's going to understand, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. Or I, I'm not going to bring this up to my, my spouse because, you know, he, he's got a lot of his own things going on. I don't want to add this burden to him. And then we think of our friends and we think, well, I see them so rarely, I don't want to spoil the time by, you know, just airing my dirty laundry or just showing them my problems. Plus, I want them to think that I've got it, I got it together, right? And so we don't share with our friends. We might think of the rest of our family and we might say, well, I don't want to share this with my kids because I'm supposed to be the rock for them. They're not supposed to know that I don't have it all together. 
Then we might think coworkers. Oh, no, 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 I could never share with them because we're not that close. Plus, you've got to keep your public life public and your private life private. And so after you go through all of the different people in your life, you realize, I've shared my heart with a grand total of zero people. I have thought and convinced myself that nobody could care because there are these big problems in the world. What are the problems in my heart worth? Who would ever care? And that's where we need the Sacred Heart because it is proof positive that we have a God who cares. That it is a heart big enough and loving enough to fit all of our little cares and worries into it. He is that one that fully understands where we're coming from. What our hopes and dreams and desires and fears and worries and terrors, what all of that that's going on, he actually gets it. And he is that heart that loves, where we feel unlovable. And that's why today is such an important day for us, to reflect on the fact that God wants to have a heart-to-heart relationship with us. Right? One that has this, this, this radical honesty. But do we want to have that with God? Because it's very easy to slip into thinking of God as just this vague, impersonal force that threw me into existence but doesn't care about how I'm doing. Or this God who's this distant taskmaster who just says, hey, are you doing, are you doing all of your tasks? Are, 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 are you fulfilling my will? If not, gosh, I'm tallying this one against you. But one who won't actually help me to do it. And God today wants to show us his heart and say, no, 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 I want to be the one who loves you when you feel unlovable, the one who cares about that, which you don't think anybody in the universe could ever care about. I want to have that relationship with you. But of course, that relationship takes time. It takes intentional time that I say, God, here's my heart. Every single day I can have a check-in and say, God, this is what's going on. And that's what prayer is, essentially. It's us disclosing our heart to the God who gives us his very heart as well. And today we can ask ourselves, do I have that heart-to-heart with a God who loves me? Now, when I speak of God's love, it's not meant to be some vague sentimentalism. Some of us might think like, yeah, God loves me. Okay, what does that mean? Well, every single experience you've ever had of love was a reflection and an echo of the love God bears for you. So that rush and excitement of romantic love Right? Any, anybody who's tasted it knows, like, whoo, there's nothing quite like that. A fallen head over heels for someone. Having them be the object of all of your thoughts and your affection and your you know, joy and your dreams. That was a taste of the love God bears for you. But you might say, I've never had that, or I had that and I got burned. I don't want to think about that kind of love. When you think of your grandparents, if you had a good relationship with them, you might remember that look in their eyes of pride. Even when you were like messing up and in trouble with your parents or something like that, there was still this sense of security in that smile from grandpa. Could have been with parents, aunts, uncles. Or it could be that innocent love of your children, right? That even on a day when they are driving you absolutely insane, they look at you and with absolute sincerity say, I love you. And you realize with every ounce of their little being, they love. All of those are just tiny reflections in the love that God bears for you. 
And so how do we tap into that love? Well, it's through that daily heart-to-heart with Jesus. It's through that daily disclosing of our hearts, learning that we have a place in His, and then through that prayer, slowly but surely, learning how to have what St. Paul mentioned in the letter to the Ephesians, Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. Because He dwells there, the more that we are able to commune with Him in prayer, the more that we're able to encounter Him in the sacraments. And then He transforms that heart. He doesn't just dwell there for no purpose. He dwells there so that through this heart-to-heart relationship with God, He can make our hearts more like His. And what do I mean by that? Well, very often, we're not the people that we dreamed we would be. Right? We maybe entered into marriage thinking, I'm going to do this better than what I saw in all the married people before. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be loving and kind. I'm going to do all the little things. And then a few years into it, we realize, oh man, this is a lot harder than I thought. Like, I'm just not as patient with the very person that objectively I love the most, but I, I, I just don't have it in me. To be any better. Or we might have thought, oh, I'm going to be a rock star parent. This is going to be so good. I am going to be one of those that has everything organized and the kids are going to love me. I'm going to love them. And even though that love is there, maybe all of the order and all of the, the patience and the cute little things that you see on Instagram or Pinterest, yeah, maybe you're not doing any of that. And you feel like, oof, I'm kind of failing at this thing. My heart is not that compassionate, patient, kind heart that I wanted it to be. Or he might have said, I want to be that type of friend that people can lean on, that people can turn to. But I I could barely keep my own life in order, so how am I supposed to be a rock for my friend who needs me? And once again, we might return to this heart, and because it's imperfect, we might say, I kind of despise it. right? I wish that it were better, and now I've started hating it. Well, God wants to transform that heart. First of all, by loving it. So the first step in transforming our hearts is that we receive the love from God's heart into ours. That we realize that His heart burns for love of our imperfect, messy hearts. And then through that relationship, we invite Him to dwell in that heart and to transform that heart. To make it more like His. So that receiving His mercy, His compassion, His patience, His love, over time, we begin to also participate in that compassion, that patience, that mercy, and that love. So, on today's great feast day, we recommit ourselves to a life of prayer, to a life of hearts-to-heart with Jesus. But we also thank Him for the great gift, that in the Eucharist we're able to receive His very heart, and that, that, that we receive Him and that He dwells in our hearts, and then transforms them so that they can be more like the sacred heart of Jesus.